you're listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer Podcast. I'm your host, Rob George. I need a new oven. Uh, joining me is Claire this week. Sorry, I should explain. Uh, I've got an, I need a new oven at home and I've just had that news before we started recording. Uh, if any donations, it's just giving... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's just not the thing to happen just before Christmas. You should, you should ask for um, takeaway service. Any nice restaurants willing to deliver? Oh. That's, that's an idea. But I could live off takeaways in Worcester. There are some... <laughs> delightful places uh, in Worcester but yeah I just thought I'd share that with you that I need a new oven just before Christmas so at least it, at least you caught it in time uh, yes if there was a violin soundtrack that could go behind that then think that, of the positive glass yes, half full glass half full indeed yes um I was at council meeting till half past ten last night. So oh, it's fun. A, it's all fun and games. <laughs> and I can give you some breaking news about it as well. What we spoke about on the podcast last week about the memorial bench in memory of Stuart Denley Maxwell, the former councillor who died in June, was approved unanimously. Everyone supported it. A lot of warm tributes to him as well. So it will be installed in the newly created Riverside Park at some point in the future. It was a very, very nice, and there was quite a lot of emotion in the room as well, a lot of people paying tribute to a very kind man. I mean, I just... Somebody said uh, some uh, experience similar to what I had. I actually spoke to him, I think, about a month before he died. He was in full of health in the council chamber. Mm. Just, you would not know anything was going to happen and I suppose it's just the on the fragility of life really yeah um that's reflected but no it's going to be a it's going to be introduced introduced and it was approved unanimously and it's a great example of all the parties working together which in a heated an election campaign uh shows bit of a miracle I bet. Po- well, a bit of a miracle and it but it shows politics can indeed uh, be a force for good. So that was last night. Some interesting gossip as well, but that's not for the podcast. That's for me and Claire to talk about Ooh, uh, if we have to afterwards, because uh, I would be breaking a number of people's confidences. But um, it must be hard sometimes. You get all the inside gossip, and then sometimes you're not allowed to say something because no. it's embargoed. Or is it true if somebody comes up to you and says, "This is off the record," you just can't say anything? Until... It's moral. It's a moral thing. Mm. If you wish to say off the record, you'll get the story, but the person probably will never talk to you again. Mm. But if you have that level of trust and say, look, it's off the record, and they know they can keep trust talking you. to you, you're better off playing the long game because if they trust you, then when it comes to the crunch, they can go, he's never reported anything I've said off the record before, so we'll give the observer the steer right. and we'll give it the story first that I have had stories where people have gone, you've always been good, so you can have this first. Mm. Um, but it, it's, a, it, it's a moral thing. It, it, don't be confused that it's in law. It's not really right. uh, codified in any way. Um, but it's up to an individual journalist. I, If somebody says takes me into their confidence, I keep their confidence. But it's up to individual. I'm not going to sully anybody and say people have done wrong. If they do that, it's up to each individual person, to be honest. But um, yes, there's a few things going on behind the scenes that hopefully we're going to get some very interesting stories about in the future. Exciting. And uh, also the Mayor of Worcester approached me and said, oh, no-one's wanting to do a story on this, so I immediately took him outside the mayoral uh, 
the mayoral chamber and actually recorded it and we've got a story with him so oh fantastic you'll read that Worcester Observer next week all being well if I can um, get it together because it is a very interesting story and I will be interested to hear your thoughts on it too but the main story dominating WorcesterObserver.co.uk today is that the Worcester City Chairman has warned um, that time is running out to bring City home so this uh, is the football club that doesn't football have a club ground. That is no, has no home. That is in exile in Bromsgrove, and there is a very, very important meeting next Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday, so it's next Thursday, the twenty eighth, Thanksgiving in America, um, and where the shareholders uh, of this fan-owned club and the members of the supporters trust, which have all come together, and it's all the fans running it now will be asked um, to give their views on the options going forward. Why are they running out of time? Because they've been, I mean, they haven't loved being at Bromsgrove, but they've... It's costing money, and they're trying to get the club running as effectively and efficiently for the long term as well, because they don't want to just run next season. They want to be talking 10, 20 years in the future. Right, But the problem is, when you're not, Pay when you're not playing in your own city, and I guess the fans don't come as much. The and, fans won't come yeah. as much because it's a travel. It's a travel, and with the best will in the world, the Victoria Ground. It's a lovely non-league ground in Bromsgrove, but it doesn't exactly cater for people commuting in to come and watch the team. It caters for local people wanting to go and watch Bromsgrove. Now, we spoke about this a few months ago, and I remember you came up with a great idea, and I can't remember what the idea was. What Six was ways. it? Six ways. Okay. Has anything happened there? Well, there is a story in another local newspaper uh, in the city, which I will say if you want to go and read, mm. uh, but we won't give them any traction. But there is something involving Worcester Warriors in another city newspaper, but it's not my story, so... Right, OK. Um, but I, my idea has always been there is a lot of land around Six Ways. Um, surely the club could have a bit of it, but... Build a state, their own stadium. Build their own stadium. But the, the thing is that needs challenging, and I've sort of said it in my editor's comment today, and I won't read it out to you. I, I do hope you'll read it if you go on our letters page, though, is that there needs to be a sense of realism. Worcester City aren't asking to build Six Ways, Old Trafford, any of the big super stadiums you see in the UK. Worcester City just basically want probably one stand with the dressing rooms in and they'll probably settle for just you know a field field terracing terracing around the side Mm. they're not looking to build a super stadium you know have this idea that old trafford is not coming to worcester at any point soon Mm. because it would one it would be fallacy for a club at worcester city's level to build a massive stadium and secondly they don't need it it's quite simple they are at a level of non-league football where they only need, if you know the Victoria ground in Bromsgrove, something similar to that, even smaller than that, something akin to Evesham United's Jubilee Stadium, Spears and Hartwell Jubilee Stadium, something small like that. Because the what will happen? Will they just close the club if they can't find a new home? Or what is what are the options? Well, they're not. Steve Good was very kindly take, took my call yesterday and explained the situation. But as a fan-owned club... It, There are options, but they want to put them to the fans and the members of the Supporters Trust before they put them to the media, which I wholeheartedly agree with. And I think that is better if you've got a share in the club or you're part of the Supporters Trust. You've been working hard to raise money for that club. It should be they that hear it first, not 
uh, the media. So it will hopefully come out after the meeting and we can discuss it then. But Because we can't lose them. We can't lose them. And I think there are certain people, I will mention no names because I'm aware we're in a political process, uh, general election, but also there's local politics as well. There are certain people that need to have a sense of realism and actually take their objections away and actually use them to find a solution. Because before there was a Warriors, there was a Worcester City. Warriors benefited from the investment of Cecil Duckworth, a wonderful man, and became who they are today. And rightly so. And the current custodians I cannot praise enough. It's a wonderful venue and it's a wonderful sporting facility for the city. But before there was a Warriors, there was a Worcester City. We've got the most historic, albeit very wet and flooded, cricket ground uh, in the country. That's been there since time immemorial. Mm-hmm. But a city the size of Worcester should support a rugby union team. It should support a cricket team. It should support a football team. We've got a great basketball team that play at the University of Worcester Arena. Mm-hmm. We're a city that's growing and growing and growing Yes, our football club isn't in the football league and it isn't getting but, but attention. This, this could be because we haven't had a home for exactly. a, you know. And but had the... we are a city. A city like Worcester needs a football team. You cannot cast Worcester City aside. And I know the Worcester Raiders do a wonderful job and they're a great little football team. Um, but a city, we can't afford to lose Worcester City. It's just not happening. And I will campaign furiously to actually ensure it's done the solutions that have been put forward so far i understand the council's views that you know they're not it's not been a community-based thing but you've got to understand the the fans have taken over now and it's a fan-owned thing it's people in the community voters in the community that are running this club now this isn't a businessman so do they each pay you know 500 pounds yeah, it's a, a it's, year it's or... contribution they're expensive way. aren't they often? It, is expe- yeah. it is a but the fans are running it now. There's no businessman and there's no Qatari billionaire on the horizon that are going to buy them and want to build a super stadium. They just want a place to call home. Mm. And I think all the options so far, I mean, let's go back in history. Nunnery Way, the original move from St George's Lane, it was a non-starter. It was a rubbish deal, but it wasn't negotiated by these current people. Mm. It wasn't negotiated by the fans. It was negotiated by former board members. And Worcester City rightfully got out of it because it would have destroyed them. Yes, it was a non-starter. The other two options that have been put forward, well. I'm not going to get into it. Personally, I don't understand planning objections on that when you actually built an extension to a leisure centre on the same area. But that I know it causes disagreement, so I won't get into that with personal opinion. And the other parsonage way was never a starter anyway. It was Greenfield site... Close to houses, it would not have worked. Mm. But there is, I can't believe a city the size of Worcester, with all the development that's going on in Worcester, can't house a small non league football stadium. If you want to prove me wrong that there's nowhere, be my guest, but all the development that's going on in Worcester, all what, you know, this club is not asking for Old Trafford. They just want a small place to call home. Mm. If you want to take a. Um, a reference point, if you will. Go to Evesham. <coughs> Look at the Spears and Hartwell Jubilee Stadium. What's that stadium like? Small. It's just 
fencing round three sides, a small terrace, and then a small main stand that houses and the changing rooms. All the best stadiums start small. Exactly. So who knows, in 10, 20 years' time, Worcester City could but they be... they move. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, they may move. Mm. With, uh, I think there's a... I think there's an understanding at the moment that somehow Worcester want to build Old Trafford. They right. want to build this massive football stadium. They don't. They're talking to... The first time I've actually spoke to Steve Good, the chairman, is a very, very nice gentleman, but a realist. You know when you're talking to realists in this life, I believe. And he's a realist. I, there's no... We want to build this super stadium that's ready for the football. They don't. Mm. They just want to get back because... When they're back in the city... They want to be in Worcester. That's... They're going to get people from the city going to watch football. Absolutely, yeah. And my idea with Six Ways is simply, people go down there anyway. It's There's nothing around there. There's no houses or anything around there. It's built for sport. Absolutely. Fantastic parking, easy to get to. Well, it's... not at the moment with Junction 6. Well... Anyone will tell you with Junction 6 at the moment. It's not easy to get to. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's nice and accessible yeah, normally. But, yeah. And it's a great facility. And there, you're right, there's so much land around there. But it's the meetings next um, Thursday at New Roads The View from 7.30. Supporters who aren't shareholders or trust members can sign up £10 a year. Visit Worcester City fcst.co.uk for more information you can join the supporters trust worthwhile uh, doing and I wish all all of them involved with Worcester City really well because it is time they have been in exile too long I mean it's been six years we want you home we <laughs> want you home we want you we, we'll have to do that as a theme song yes for them. <laughs> God, this is why this why this podcast works just, is the creative genius just not me singing it maybe <laughs> Well, certainly not me singing it, let's be honest. Um, and um, Lazarus, a story of a political Lazarus now I bring to you. Last week on the podcast, we spent a lot of time about Martin Potter, the former Brexit candidate, not standing in this election. 24 hours later, after we recorded the podcast, Martin Potter is standing as an independent in the general election. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so, yes, it's uh, a bit of a game changer. Is he allowed to do that? Yes. If, oh. you can, if you can pay £500, Claire, you can go and stand in a general I'm, I'm election. I've missed the deadline Too late now. now but <laughs> Thank if God. You, if you've got £500, <laughs> you can do it. Oh, so, he's now going to hit the streets between now and December the 12th and campaign as an independent. So he's still going for those Brexit votes. Well, so that's going to be his... Sort of, it does, does he not get in trouble from Nigel Farage? Or well, no, he's paid his money. You're yeah. allowed to just... Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would have thought his, his response to Nigel Farage would be, well, you don't want me to stand. You can't stop me standing. Right, of course. Um, yeah. But very good point he makes. Um, stood down as the Brexit Party candidate, along with all the other candidates standing in Conservative-held seats. Whilst there was no formal agreement with Boris Johnson, there's a clear basis for doing so. Despite the Brexit Party's support for a clean break Brexit, now the compromise position was that a Boris Johnson-led government would negotiate a Canada-style plus free trade agreement with the EU and the transition period, what would happen if we ever do leave the European Union, would end at the end of 2020. But he's standing as an independent to give Worcester electors who voted the to leave by 54% to 46 in 2016 to vote for someone who actually believes in Brexit and not frustrate the Parliament uh, in the process to leave. That's Martin Potter's words. I should explain, I don't think I said that that was a quote from Martin Potter himself. Um, so he believes in Brexit and he believes that the people have voted. And I actually think it's brilliant. 
But it does mean that the Lib Dems or Labour will probably get Worcester. We, you don't. We don't know. I mean, the thing, the only well, the only thing I can take out of this general election campaign so far, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, is we simply don't know. Mm. We simply don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it could it could be just like twenty seventeen all over again, and people will go either Labour or Conservative in a bid to get Brexit done. Or it could open the field, as you rightfully say. I, I'm not. I don't know, but I think it's great that he's actually on the ballot. And you know, you know my views. I'm, you know, you know I'm a Remain supporter. But I actually think it's great someone as passionate about Brexit as this is actually on the ballot paper. And I hope he gets a hearing on the doorstep as well, because people can go, oh, you're independent, and they don't see a party affiliation, and just like, oh, right, OK, and they'll ignore him. But so I hope he gets a hearing. Um, Have you met him? Is he a charismatic character? Not met him yet, he... no. Um, but uh, we are hoping, I having discussions with him, to have, try and get him on the podcast before polling day. Mm, um, because I think it would be interesting to hear his view. I, personally, I don't set any... I don't cast people aside if they're independents. We'll try and get them... On. And I think it's great for the people of Worcester that he's actually standing. And I more good luck to him and to all the candidates as well. And being in, in election perda, I should explain, he'll stand against Robin Walker for the Conservatives, Louis Stephen for the Green Party, Lynn Denham for the Labour Party, and Stephen Kearney for the Liberal Democrats. So everybody's mentioned there. So please don't shout. We've mentioned everybody. There's no monster raving loony this no year. No monster raving loony in Worcester. No, just Aww. just the just That's... the organic thing presenting this podcast. <laughs> He's just a raving loony, though I think. <laughs> uh, so that brilliant, brilliant news, and it's going to be a keenly fought election. And certainly talking to the parties last night, they're all saying that they're getting a good hearing on the doorstep. So somebody's not telling the truth or. Mm. But, um, but we said it, didn't we, last week? I think people tell you on the doorstep sometimes what you want to hear. Yeah, it really, I, I think so, yeah. at times. I mean, I've not been canvassed in Bromsgrove yet, um, which is interesting because I did get a communication from my MP, Sajid Javid. Has Sajid not knocked on your door? He's not knocked on and my door yet. Well, when he does, you'll be like, Saj, come <laughs> in. And Sajid will be like, Rob, you're the one who told me. That this yeah. was, you, you prophesied my, ray, my rise. I think to, he might be shocked so. if he knocks on the door and finds a journalist answering it. Like, I'm trying to get away from... If, uh, anyone, if anyone heard the podcast last week, Rob, you did a cracking couple of cracking stories about Sajid and also, um, what's his name, the... Spin Doctor, Spin Labour, Alistair Campbell, Alistair Campbell. Yes. which I, which then I, Claire very kindly sent me the link to put on Facebook on Friday. I forgot to actually mention that because I would have, I could have tweeted him into that and we could have got a retweet. If <laughs> we, nothing we else, he would it. have listened to it. Gone. What have I done now? And just uh, listen to it. But no. Oh, you bless you. You do, you do pump up my tires for an American expression. Pump up my tires. <laughs> Never understood that. Pump up your wheels. Pump up, oh, pump up wheels. Okay. I don't know if they say tyres very much, do they? I don't know. I just heard it on the American <laughs> football on Sunday. Oh, maybe. And it was just like, I would really just pump up his tyres. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't where humans had tyres, but never mind. I did want to give you um, a wonderful story as well. I do hope you read this as well, because it is truly wonderful. Um, last Sunday, the 17th, marked World Prematurity Day. Uh, a, re- a global bid to raise awareness of premature births and the effects on obviously babies but also parents and we've got a lovely story in the paper of a little uh, little Mary 
who was born at 27 weeks plus four days of her mum, Katie's pregnancy, weighing just two pounds, nine ounces. Oh, my goodness. Um, there, are, there are pictures of this brave little warrior. Um, she That's was, over three months early, isn't yeah. it? Wow. And she spent 102 days in the Worcestershire Royals neonatal unit uh, before finally being allowed home. She's home, she's doing well now, um, but Katie has shared her experience with us and I thank her profusely for it because she's been very, very honest, very emotional uh, to read some of the big... And, and one of those where, I, again, it would, it would have, I would have found it very emotional had I not been a parent, but being a parent, you, just, you immediately empathise as well with uh, what they were going through. But regular listeners to the podcast will know, I think the Worcestershire rules, the whole midwifery and... They're just wonderful, aren't they? And especially, can you imagine having to deal with something that small Mm. and that delicate? They are just angels, aren't they? I've seen the way these midwives in these um, neonatal units pick them up and they care for them. And I'd just be terrified to even touch them. They are so gentle. um, Just incredible. And one of the key messages is you aren't on your own. There is help out there. Um, And if you are in that situation do visit www.bliss.org.uk or email ask at bliss.org.uk for any help because the help is out there you're not there to fight it on your own and there are people that will help you through a traumatic time and we wish mary a family and all those that have maybe arrived too soon but are fighting all the very very best because um, becoming a parent is a wonderful thing but Doing so at such an early stage, I can imagine, is truly, truly frightening. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> experience. Um, I'm. Oh, that's what I wanted to. That's what I wanted to do. I just there's. I've got a page of good news. Oh, good. Uh, kind-hearted staff at a Worcester garage have converted a camper van to left-hand drive for a charity's epic journey to deliver prosthetic limbs. Prosthetic. Get them my teeth in the right way. To West Africa. This is staff at Worcester's Mobile Mechanic that have converted uh, the 4x4 free of char- a camper van, sorry, free of charge for the journey to help the charity, uh, the Bristol-based charity Legs for Africa, to deliver prosthetic limbs to those in the Gambia. Oh, fantastic! Wonderful, wonderful gesture. Another thing as well, the Worcester's food, Worcester's food bank. If you, I think it was last year. Now I think. That, Time flies. We had Graham Lucas on talking all about the food bank and what it does. It's opening an extra day a week in an effort to fill record numbers of empty stomachs and children's stockings in the run-up to Christmas as well. If you can help, uk. do give them a help in hand this Christmas because there's a lot of good people doing very, very wonderful things. I know what I wanted to ask you this week, Rob, is... Um story about Oscar I saw Great you put that. I just turned oh, the page you? if okay. you had if you had a camera in this office oh. I just turned that page and thought I'm going to do a bit about Oscar but this is why it works <laughs> this is we are a great team, and this is why it works. We're on the same page, quite well, literally. No, we're literally. Oh, it, <laughs> she's a genius. One day I'm going to just leave, and she can do it all on her own. <laughs> she's don't. a genius. Um, Yes, Oscar and his family are now in Singapore. Fantastic. Um, having the CART therapy uh, to the, that uses his immune system to kill the cancer cells. Sadly, we, we've, we've spoken over and over about this. I won't go um, over it, but he was having uh, an alternative treatment in the UK in a bid to 
not need the Singapore treatment. Sadly, it didn't work to the what the extent um, that was needed. It kept the, it did keep the disease level down, but it didn't do what they needed. So the family have jetted off. And Oscar starts his treatment today as we record this on Wednesday. And are you in touch with the family? Will they give us updates? We're going to have regular updates through um, help. And I do, if you want inspiration and you're bored on Facebook and you're bored of reading political stuff or the same old rubbish, do follow Hand in Hand for Oscar because Olivia does a wonderful job updating that. Brilliant. And she holds nothing back, you know. Yes, there's times where she's obviously with her little boy and... But as, when, as and when she can, she updates it. And it's very, very heartwarming to read. There's pictures of the family in Singapore already there. I think they went to a zoo uh, or they went somewhere. They had a little journey out after the, after to get over the jet lag. But I think the, the one of the best earliest Christmas presents would be for this little boy to finally have the treatment that sheds him of this horrible disease and get back to a normal life. And one thing that really touched me, um, one of Olivia's quotes, um, we will miss everybody, but we feel we'll only be a few months break before we head back, and little Oscar will be once again full of beans, terrorising everyone. Oh, let's hope. And let's I hope. hope so, so they are going to be there for a couple of months. It is a, going to be oh, quite okay. a, a lengthy treatment, um, yeah. but we wish the family all the best. And I should mention... And the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust as well, who provided the information, the whole information for the story that you'll read on worcesterobserver.co.uk. They've also said thank you um, because they've been working with the family to collect the money and do all the paperwork and um, take the strain off Olivia and Jamie. Well, um, but um, this it comes. It's been very close to the. Um, anniversary of the tragic passing of grace kelly um dr jane kelly's own daughter from cancer oh that's um that's what it, that's what the trust is named after it's been very close to the anniversary i won't go into specifics right. i know when the date was but i don't want to, mm. uh, and i think it is publicized but i i gonna respect oh, i was thinking it was grace kelly after the monaco princess no, grace um, kelly it was jane it was... kelly the founder of the trust right, after okay. her daughter who tragically lost her own battle Right. Um, against cancer, the anniversary has been there as well. So, if anyone, if Jenny, Doctor, if you're listening, or anyone from the trust listening, our thoughts and sympathies are with you at this time as well. Absolutely. Um, but what you're doing, and one of the quotes that Doctor Jen Kelly put was, "Grace's legacy was a wish to help other children, and we're so proud to have been able to support Oscar's family in this way." And I'm going to stop reading now because I'm getting a bit. Mm choked up again because uh, I'm being a very silly, silly, silly human being. And I just want to end this section before we go on to the what's on with just a little bit of a quirky pre-what's on uh, Worcester roundup story. Sarah King's role in a forthcoming city concert this Saturday at St Martin's Church on London Road. Um, it would not only be a celebration of the patron saint of music, I didn't know there was a patron saint of music, uh, but there you go, but it also be a family affair because Sarah is a very talented soprano and she will join the Worcester Cathedral's chamber choir singers to perform music for St Cecilia's Day, the patron saint of music, St Cecilia, uh, apparently, but as, as well as taking the solo role, f- um, as well as taking to the stage with the chamber Choir. She'll also be doing the solo role for the piece uh, medita- media- uh, Mediations, yes. Is it Mediations? Yes, it is, sorry. Um, that was written by her brother Stephen. 
Oh, right. So no pressure then. Okay. She's got to perform it, and the piece that was written by her brother. So no performance there. Uh, no pressure there. Visit Worcester Cathedral Chamber Choir.co.uk for more information about the concert. I just wanted to put it in. They've been doing things for. I was re- writing about them for the What's On, I think, this week or last week, and for over 150 years they've been around. Fantastic. Putting all these amazing arts and musical. <laughs> celebrations in the cathedral and elsewhere around Worcester. I know, but let's face incredible? it, a fantastic, in, a fantastic yeah. venue for it as well. Do read on that because that was a little trail into the, a little bit of what's on Worcester Roundup. But here is Claire now with the world-famous, world-renowned what's on Worcester Roundup. For all the things to do and see this week, it's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's On Guide. Thanks, Rob. Yes, I'm back with some fun things coming up to do this coming weekend in Worcester and Maltham. Christmas is definitely on its way with light switch-ons and Christmas fairs galore happening all over the place. It's a lovely time of year to get out and explore. And here are some of my top picks for you to explore over the next few days. We had the Worcester light switch on on Thursday, which was incredible. And if that's not enough for you, we have the Great Malvern Christmas Festival and light switch on this Saturday. That's Saturday, the 23rd of November. There's going to be attractions all day going on there. There's a arts and food market, live music, vintage cars. Honestly, it's all going on. Then a a lantern parade. How cool is that? A lantern parade ahead of the light switch on at 6pm. So do get involved. You can find out all the details and timings for everything on visitthemulvins.org forward slash Christmas festival. Also on Saturday, that's Saturday the 23rd, just in case you're listening to this sometime in the future. But this Saturday, we have Oh Sing Aloud with the Worcester Cathedral Chamber Choir happening at St. Martin's Church on the London Road on Saturday. WR5 2ED is the postcode for your sat nav. It's a 7.30pm start and these events always really start Christmas for me. It's a bit like when you're at school and you used to have your, um, you know, the carol concert, the Christmas carol concert. And that always made me feel really Christmassy. Well, in November, now as an adult, I get to go to these sort of things and it makes me start feeling really Christmassy. And we're also so lucky to have the amazing Worcester Cathedral Chamber Choir. So do check them out over the Christmas period, especially as they really are magical. Also on Saturday night, great night of music over at Paradiddles. We've got Davy Malone, Speed Guns and The Featherweight. They're all going to be there. Some great local bands and always loads of fun at Paradiddles. Then over at Huntington Hall on Saturday evening, we've got Zoe Schwartz Blue Commotion. She's going to be performing. They say Zoe Schwartz Blue Commotion refreshes the blues genre with eclectic arrangements, virtuosic playing and vocal prowess. Sounds pretty cool, right? A great band, terrific musicians, all four of them. So says Paul Jones on BBC Radio 2. And Paul Jones is never wrong. So get your tickets for Saturday from Worcester Live at Huntington Hall to see that great band. Or perhaps you're in the mood for some comedy on Saturday evening. If so, head on over to Malvern Theatres for Count Arthur Strong Comedy. This is Count Arthur alone, solo and by himself with no one but him, he tells us. The show business Colossus will take you on a journey through his early career. Using the latest technology, he will be delving into his own personal box of video cassettes and talking through the highlights of his glittering TV career with many of his trademark stories. We've come to love him for. He's a very funny man. Tickets from Malvern Theatres. 
Then moving on to Sunday, a few top picks for you. There will be an orchestral concert with Orchestra Pro Anima at Avenue Road in Malvern, WR143AY at 3pm on Sunday. Locked and Loaded, they're going to be performing at the Imperial, great local band there, 5pm. Chewy live music at the Lamb and Flag in Worcester on Sunday. And there is also another brilliant Rockaway record and CD fair happening at the Cube in Malvern on Sunday, 10am until 4pm there. And that concludes my top picks for this week. Remember, if you have an event going on, do let us know so we can let everyone know. We can advertise it on the Worcester and Malvern Observers, put it on our websites, on all our social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on them all, and even possibly talk about it on this podcast or have you in to talk about it on the podcast, even better. Thanks again for listening and have a great week, everyone. Thank you also to Rob and um, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Claire, for a great What's on Worcester roundup as usual. I was remiss to mention one more thing about Worcester City, just to say absolute congratulations because they stuffed Racing Club Warwick 9-0 on Saturday and I think it, we couldn't do a podcast without mentioning that, including hat-tricks for not one but two players, Sean Brain and Dimitri Brown, both scored a hat-trick uh, during the romp over Racing Club Warwick. It's the biggest win for 43 years since a 12-2 win over Oswestry. There you go. We'll end on a start. I've been your host, Rob George. Thank you so much for your listening. Thanks to Claire. Uh, if you've liked us, we've been the Worcester Observer podcast. If, we ha- if you haven't, we'll see you again hopefully next week. But until then, I think we're done here. Bye-bye. <laughs>